Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 40 and in this edition we piece together a conspiracy as we give our reactions to the new Biohazard CGI series Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. My name is Sai and I'll bring true terror to the panel this week. He's keeping his distance from massive bugs. It's Kelsey, a.k.a. Mr. KDB. Oh. Don't stand so. Don't stand so. Don't stand so close behind him. It's fire button Steve Valance. Hello. This episode of First Aid Spray, like all others, was recorded live on our Discord server. Enter our little world of survival horror now to hear the show early and unedited, as well as join our wonderful community and keep up to date with all of the latest news. You can find a link to the server, as well as all of our social media profiles at our website, fasprayPod.com. Housekeeping at the top of the show, thank you to our latest Patreon. Thank you to Jared Pilgrim. Thank you to our returning Patreons actually this month. Nice to see you again and thank you to the continued support of everyone on our Patreon. I know we haven't put out anything in uh, a few weeks. There is some stuff in the oven right now. Uh, We're looking to drive those social goals up. So if you haven't followed us on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram or liked us on Facebook or subscribed to us on YouTube, make sure you do that. As I said, all the links are at fasprayPod.com. Just hit contact and you've got the full list there. And if we hit our social media goals, nice big round numbers, we'll be putting out some polls for Patreons to vote on. That being said, there is a new episode of Now That's What I Call Survival Horror coming very soon. I can't actually tell you what game it's for yet because we're working on four at the same time. But whatever comes together first... Uh, we'll be dropping at the beginning of next month. Uh, so that will be Patreon exclusive for a month, as always. Um, the previous episode, now that's what I call Survivor Horror Code Veronica, is out now on our YouTube where I gushed about the soundtrack of that game. Uh, so please do check that out, as well as our other YouTube output that we've put out in the last couple of weeks. I did a lore-focused video on the Tyrants, the Tyrant program, how that came to be, who led it, how the Tyrants were formed, uh, the different variations therein. You might learn something. And speaking of learn something, um, I've been told reliably by some Steve Burnside super fans that they learned stuff from five facts about Steve. Yes, Steve Burnside was up next after Hunk and Tofu. Why not? Uh, so KDB on the edit for that one and our very own Steve doing the voiceover. That's a fun one indeed. And finally, over on Twitch, Itchy Painty is continuing, but we have changed the time and date, so it's worth pointing that out. The guys go live at Sunday, uh, or rather on Sunday, at 9pm BST, which is 4pm Eastern Standard Time. Uh, So that's just, it made sense for everyone. So join Adam and Berger if you're available Sunday evenings and afternoons to watch them paint through the Resident Evil board game miniatures which have now arrived at their doorsteps. Their unboxing is now live on our YouTube. We might be doing more some, some more YouTube itchy painty stuff in the future so keep your eyes open for that. But yes, join them live every week. Uh, the VODs will be there for you to paint along with if that's what you want to do. And that's that's the point of the show, to bring some people into the painting hobby that might be new and might have the Resident Evil board games. It's very newbie friendly. Uh, I recommend it to to everyone. You never know, you might uh, might find yourself with a new hobby. And of course, if you follow us on Twitter, you can vote for what miniature is next every week to see what they paint out of the Resident Evil 3 board game stuff. That's everything from us. Steve, please take the baton from me and lead us into the latest edition of the Biohazard News. Biohazard News. 
So mournfully and respectfully and tragically, Resident Evil Verse or RE Verse, as it is known, has been delayed until 2022. Um, I don't know how to feel about this. I uh, not to jump the gun, but I feel like it's it's a weird one because I know a lot of people decried it at launch and. It looks like it's still got untapped potential and it's something a little bit different. You know, that might be my hankering to the days on real tournaments like started to singe into me a little bit, but uh yeah, what do we all think? It's a yeah, it's a weird one. I think what's most I guess alarming about this is we were just talking on the last episode that in June they went, Oh, it'll be out next month and then we got through half of July and they were like, yeah, we're pushing it back at least six months to next year, maybe more. That's really weird to go from it's coming out next month to it's not coming out for at least half a year. That's... don't know what to make of that. Kelsey, I know you're quite excited for our reverse. Yeah, I'm obviously disappointed, Al. I think some of my hype has been dampened by this. The the marketing has just been weird shambolic to be honest and i'm not trying to just be angry at capcom but you know the game was promised to launch with village and it didn't and it was very under the radar laid until summer they didn't even really do a big announcement about that and we just had radio silence and then they said yeah it's like gonna be out in july and it was like great played beta and despite some bits of fine tuning that it needed i thought it was perfectly playable and there's this delay and it's like, hmm, I don't know. It feels like they're going to be changing direction completely rather than fine-tuning it. So, yeah, it's just confusing. Um, I was very excited to play the full game, but it's got to be right. It's I, I don't mind delays, but just the lack of communication sort of really irked me mm. this one. Yeah, that's fair. I, I agree, you know. The, the, I think it was my, Miyamoto, wasn't it, that said, you know, about delayed games being good, but rush games never being good. Um, I'd say oh. after the, the less than uh, stellar response that I imagine they'd probably hit the QA, QA pretty hard and want to get it so it's right yeah but, uh, but I don't... Leave, the longer they leave it it's like mar- leaving it out too long in the cold it's going to just march out to die especially in 2022 when a lot of big games are released oh yeah yeah I think it's always going to struggle there is a huge portion of the fan base it doesn't want or doesn't care for multiplayer Resident Evil unless it begins with out and ends in break which is you know a shame yeah. Each to their own, of course. I don't think this needs six months of work from what I play. Unless, of course, what we played was everything. Maybe they're dumping a bunch of maps into it and a bunch more game types and they think, you know what, we can turn this into a, its own full thing. I have no idea. You know, that's you know, as Kelsey said, the lack of communication. If they if they said, you know, what what they plan to do with it in these extra six to <laughs> year and a half you know 18 months it could be or whatever that would be cool maybe they don't even know it's a very strange one and it's uh yeah it's a shame because there is a part of me that wonders if it'll it'll ever happen so it was neobards making it right i don't know if that's changed but it was neobards yes yeah as far as we know i don't know if it's been taken off them or what Mm. i was just gonna say i have it's not been confirmed but i have very strong reason to believe and assume that what we played on the beta that was not it because yeah data miners i'm guessing Mm. yeah discovered that there was a lot more in there and i don't know how finished all that stuff was yeah 
Uh, it's just frustrating. I'm happy for them to, to delay to get things right. The response obviously wasn't great, but I have sort of other opinions on that, which I'm not going to get into. Mm. Um, it's frustrating with the delay. It does feel like they're changing direction, as I say, but... You know. So our next bit of news then. Resident Evil Village has sold 4.5 million copies worldwide. That is a hell of a lot of money. Yes, indeed. Uh, we haven't talked about uh, Village sales figures since the game came out. I was kind of putting it off because we've had very news heavy uh months uh but we can we can slip it in here because you know yeah, it's something to be celebrated i don't think this is overly surprising that it sold really well we kind of knew that right out of the gate um and at the moment to compare this figure i think which came out at the beginning of the month um it's at the two month mark uh to compare it with re7 it's doing more than re7 did in its first two months so and obviously re7 is the biggest selling game in the series now uh, so yes, I think it's very easy to predict that Village is going to eventually supersede that and, and land right at the top. Mm. I, I, yeah, I know it's been a bit of a somewhat divisive one, but I, I'm glad Village is definitely going to get its time in the sun. Yeah, uh, I think most of the people on the server have had a fun time with it. I'd like to say, uh, you know, there's, there's a few quibbles obviously about the way the narrative plays out, mm-hmm. but uh, the fact that it's going down a storm, I, uh, you know, I like I like it when Resident Evil is doing well. So, you know, not very complex a statement than, oh, that thing I like is doing all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good because, you know, we've talked about how many games they've put out in the last few years. So to, with the exception of, like, Remake 3 having a diminished return, it's good that people are still picking up these games considering that they're coming out every year now, which, yeah. Uh, and as you said, quibbles aside, we all had fun with it too. It's a very well put together game. So I, I think it deserves it. Those, um, um, sorry. sorry, I was just going to say those numbers are obviously great for the franchise. I think if you like first-person Resident Evil games, you're probably going to get more. Uh, I'm sure mm. Capcom will kind of take this as a hint that people have enjoyed the formula. Um, yeah, and I think the game is great, so it deserves it. The promise of DLC is really good. The lifespan of the game remains to be seen. Will people be playing it next year? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. DLC sales are probably going to spike things a bit. But after that, we're going to need like maybe a special box set with seven or something to boost sales more. Um, mm. Yeah. The um, As far as people playing, I haven't played it uh, since the month that it came out. Um, yeah, same. There's, there's like a small speedrun community for it, but nothing like the other games and the recent remakes so yeah i love the game uh very unsurprising to hear that it sold well because it's great it's really funny actually when you say about first person perspective it just sort of i just had to have a giggle to think where that perspective is how it's kind of evolved in the series you know re1 they looked at making it first person perspective but couldn't make it happen then the first person perspective is games that did come out survivor and survivor 2 you know everyone's favorites <laughs> and now <laughs> The two best sell well, it will be. Let's 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 just say it will be the two best selling games in the series, most certainly. First person perspective. So that's pretty funny to think about. How divisive that camera angle is, definitely. <laughs> exactly. So our last piece of news. Uh, super groupies have revealed a range of fancy Resident Evil accessories. I have no idea what these things are. I need to check up the article. I'm very good at news. <laughs> I thought I'd put this in here as a bit of uh, just a bit of fun, light fluff. Yeah, they're super groupies. Uh, ex- extremely expensive sets, but yeah. interesting nonetheless. Uh, for Jill, Leon, Wesker, and Chris, 
backpacks, wallets, and watches. They're quite nice. I mean, they're ex- extremely expensive. Um, I definitely. You're not kidding. Yes. I don't need a wallet that says Albert Wesker on the inside. That seems a, <laughs> that seems a bit weird. But I, the watches I thought were particularly nice. And Chris's backpack, uh, KDB. Any any standouts for you? Money, no object. Which set? Let's say say you have to pick up a set. What are you going to get? I would get the Wesker set definitely. The sort of the all black stuff is that's very my nice. kind of style. They're all clearly very well made and. It's all very understated and very nice, yes. but just the price is ridiculous. And the picture of the wallet is funny because they're sort of holding open the wallet with no money. In it. <laughs> yes. You buy this wallet. You're That's not exactly what I it. thought. That's exactly what I thought. I love the Wesco one as well because in the photography, the models even wearing sunglasses are just <laughs> chef's kiss. That is, Steve. What was your reckon of these? Which one would you pick up? You know, money, no object. You know, I probably soft spot for Leon in it. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, they all look nice, but they're all well out of Steve's price range. But uh, yeah, money <laughs> no object, uh, because I made the mistake of wearing all black stuff all the time, and in, yeah, especially in this heat, yeah, not a good, not a good look. So yeah, I'll go, with, I'll go with Leon. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. You know, I'd be tempted by the Chris one. It's the one out of the bags that I actually do like. It's got all the extra the pockets. One with the pouches. Yeah, yeah it's got yeah. the pads. It looks very. Cool. I mean, that one is the closest to the actual character design they're going off because they've even, you know, they've got a picture of the RE6 Chris artwork at the top, and it very much just looks like that. Uh, you oh, know, but that backpack looks sweet though. You know. It, oh yeah, it's, it's great. And the, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the color green, but. Also on top of that, out of all the Resident Evil merch I own, Umbrella logos and RPD and Stars logos, I don't own anything with the BSAA on it. And I, I'd be pretty cool with that watch. I like that. Anyway, pointless fluff discussion over. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd lighten it up before we uh, dive into the darkness of the latest CGI Resident Evil project as we give our initial reaction to Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. And now, reading the file, Rookie's first assignment from Resident Evil 2 2019 in character as Marvin Branner, Azumi Chenmiru, who you can find at twitch.tv forward slash Azumi Chenmiru. Leon S. Kennedy, we're putting you on a very special case for your first assignment. Your mission is to unlock your desk. The key to your success is in the initials of our first names. Input the letters in order of our desks. There are two locks, one on each side of your desk. Make sure you get them both. Basically, your first task is to remember your fellow officers' names. But you figured that much out, right? Good luck, Leon. By the way, it might take a little work to get Scott to give you a straight answer. Lieutenant Branagh. Be glad you're not here, rookie. So, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness is now out, available to stream on Netflix. Uh, it released at the beginning of July, the first week of July or so. Um, all in one, all four episodes, about 25 minutes long apiece. Uh, much discussion to be had about whether it was a movie chopped up and stuff like that. And we'll definitely get to talking about that. But, uh, of course, we want to start with the story. What we're going to do is break it up into two halves, because, I mean... Y- it may may or may have you know may or may not have been a movie at some stage but it has been released as a show so what we'll do is talk about episode one and two and then episodes three and four just to talk just to sort of like talk about the setup for the story and the resolution separately um speaking of the narrative 
I mean, I'll try and keep it brief, I guess. I imagine most people have seen it at this point. But uh, it's set in, was it 2006? Uh, yeah. So that's two years after Resident Evil 4. Leon is working with sort of the government and the president, President Graham at this time. Um, there's involvement with various agents after a White House attack, viral attack on the White House. Uh, one of these agents being a former US Marine who has seen some SH-1T. And uh, Claire Redfield also gets involved via a strange child's drawing that uh, she comes across in her sort of aid missions around the world uh, as part of TerraSafe. And then from there, conspiracy begins to weave. That's the basic premise. Um, how do we feel about... I suppose, how do we feel about that as a setup? Steve, what do you think of sort of the the basics of the story? Uh, as it starts, it's uh, actually kind of intriguing. I, I was actually very much invested by uh, the opening 10 minutes, although I did feel even... In the outset, that poor Claire was almost an afterthought. I will say that. Mm. Um, it feels like her stuff is almost ancillary at times. And I feel like they could have worked her in better than she just sees a kid's drawer and goes, Hi, Leon. I mean, she can casually walk to the White House, which I don't think anyone can just do. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. It's it, yeah, it's kind of funny that it's... and I, Well, this is probably going to be a thing we talk about a lot, but well, it's just a wonderful coincidence, isn't it? Uh, that she mm. happens to get that drawing and also that has to be related to something that's related to what Leon's doing. I just, just love that. The very, the very day before a terrorist attack on the White House, that, to be fair, I can understand why that would be hushed up in Resident Evil lore as it was a very brief little skirmish, but mm. uh, there's that's more a, going on with that later in the podcast, I think. Yes, I, I will say at the top, um, that's something that I'm very happy about. We talked about this when Neptune came on um, couple of episodes ago where he was talking about the worrying thing about doing these interqual stories is you might put something in there that perhaps characters should reference in the future um but the yeah the white house cover-up uh you know and it being a very small little outbreak very small little attack i was happy with that that it didn't go crazy right from the off uh kelsey what do you think of sort of the, the basics the setup of infinite darkness um I think it's pretty strong mm. for reasons you've both said. I think it sets up a few questions. I mean, we get more into sort of the nitty gritty of the plot, but I do think it's pretty strong. And the way it positions both Leon and Claire and particularly Jason as well in this all this original setup. I liked it when I was watching it and I, it got it hooked me in. And because I, I didn't really know reading the premise before watching it, I was like, I was so unsure and I felt like I was going to be really disappointed. And whether I did or not is here or there. Uh, but that setup, I really liked. Mm. And yeah, I'm t first kind of 10, 15 minutes, I think are really, really solid. And it's a really strong setup. The um, I've got gripes about action versus horror and things like that. Sure. But, you know, questions like how did the zombies get into the White House? What really happened in Penanstam? Why does Wilson seem so shifty? Uh, who hired the animators for the show? All that kind of. <laughs> These are questions that I that I have. How, and I, I mean in in the kindest possible way. How on earth did that zombie get on that chandelier? <laughs> that was probably. The, I was gonna get there. Yeah, that was probably the first question I had. I said out loud when I watched it the first time. I think I was like, did I just look away? And then something. And then he was up there. What was that about? No, yeah, I genuinely agree. I think if we're talking about episode one specifically, 
I think, you know, episode one's pretty strong. I like the pacing. You know, it introduces all the characters in their sort of roles that they're going to play in the story. As you said, Jason and... Um, yeah, Shen Mei's in there as well, isn't she? Leon, Claire. Um, you get to see President Graham, which is nice. Uh, we get sort of some the, the setup. This is going to be about sort of political mystery and espionage. Uh, you get to see some some cool stuff happening in the White House. Um, and it, yeah, in terms of just episode one by itself, it, the balance is is okay. It's got it's got some survival horror vibes when all the lights go off in the White House and they're wandering around briefly and there's some action in there as well yeah episode one had me going okay you know pretty pretty interested in this um but then episode two uh, yeah do you know episode two I think as well similar feelings I was pretty happy with episode two it's not to speak of the overall quality of all of it but what I will say is some of the scenes in particularly the first few episodes, if you look at the CGI Resident Evil stuff, some of the scenes in Infinite Darkness is some of the best scenes out of uh, out of the lot. And I know that, you know, it's only going up against D-Generation, Damnation and Vendetta, which is not exactly, they're not exactly Oscar-worthy, are they? But uh, Leon and Jason's uh, scene on the submarine in episode two, they sort of share their trauma. Um, I actually really, really liked that. Uh, Steve, how did you feel about episode one and two in general then let's just start moving around those episodes i guess uh, I, honestly this is uh this might be a controversial take from what i've been seeing on social media but i actually think one and two are pretty fantastic for the most part like there are a lot of things i can uh, enjoy about them even the the ridiculous like rats on the submarine mm. uh, and my personal favorite is mm. of these these subplots and things Right, while we've got Jason giving his scary monologues, Leon is actually channeling my exact thoughts of being very aloof and not giving a damn, which he carries on <laughs> and doesn't change, which I think is actually an authentic response to someone monologuing some random crazy stuff about fear and terror. Um, the ending of episode two, like, it's an atmosphere I've not seen in a Resident Evil film in a long time. You know when they're just talking on the sofa mm. and uh, trying to explain it? It felt like something out... This is, this is probably the highest praise I'm going to give, but... It like something out of uh, No Country for Old Men or something. Like the, <laughs> the scenes in, no, no, you know, the, the scenes when he like when they walk into the, uh, I want to say it's like a petrol station or something, and there's just an ominous like menace to the air. Mm. Like, yeah, I get I was you. On the edge of my seat, and the action wasn't over the top. It's just a simple gunfight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it, th- that's probably the peak though, because uh, well, when we get into it, let's just say it goes off the rails faster than. Uh, that one train in RE0. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean, definitely. Um, because I, I'm sure we all do it when we watch these shows. You're sitting there going, right, who's the covert bad guy? Who's going to be the one that turns? Who's up to no good? I mean, the, the first episode, is, as we said, is set up with an attack on the White House, and they go, and Leon even goes, and who's behind it? Bum, bum, bum. And... You know, so those questions are floating around there. And you figure it out pretty quickly who's suspicious, let's face it. But to have that moment at the end of episode... Yeah. To, <laughs> to have that moment at the end of episode two is kind of like, okay, cool. It, it makes me it makes you wonder, okay, we've already had that. Where where the hell does it go from here? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, Kelsey, general thoughts on the, on the first half of the story? Yeah, uh, I think I'm in the same boat. And just to quickly jump back to the zombie outbreak at the White House, I really liked that. I thought as soon as the lights go off, um, that stuff was really 
again, it hooked me. It, it hooked me in, and it felt very Resident Evil, despite the fact it was set in the White House, which is you know, <laughs> it's not maybe a setting I would have liked as opposed to some others. But it hooked me in, and then the, um, episode two wasn't as good, but yeah, just quite strong. It has some story issues and pacing issues and kind of confusing moments, but I think Jason and Shenmei's kind of reveal, I think that comes way too early. That kind of threw me a little bit. It was obvious, as particularly with Jason, that there was something going on there, but I don't know. I think a little more time to build on that would have been nice. Mm. Um, but but I did like the reveal, and you know these two characters had gone through these traumatic events, and now they're going rogue kind of thing. I really really like the use of flashbacks. I think I think the flashbacks are some of the best thing in this entire show in any of the episodes, and these are often quite hard to get right. But it gave gave depth to Jason and Shenmei, you know, more so than probably any other character that appears. And it's not like ingenious storytelling. It's very, it all felt very kind of classic action thriller, a bit Mission Impossible. Mm. I, I, yeah, I didn't hate it. I was, episode two, I was still having fun. And then the submarine stuff I thought was really good. And I really liked the rats. I've seen people be quite critical of the rats, but it felt like you know, a, a sort of slight RE2 callback and a swarm of rabid rats run towards me is not something I'd enjoy. Um, some of the dialogue is a little bit ropey, but. Yeah, the um, I think Jason in particular, as I've said, he comes off as a really strong character in this. Now the scene, spoilers, where they Jason and Shenmei just murder everybody on the sub, kind of disappointing because any sympathy you sort of had for Jason almost pretty much goes out the window. There. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I did. I don't know why they had to do that scene, but you know they did. Um, yeah, and then the ending scene, like you say. That caught me off guard. Leon shoots him, and I was like, "Oh, is he dead?" I mean, I, I, be honest with you, I thought he was dead at that point, and I didn't know that he was to come back. But it's like that's kind of a cool twist. Where are we going with this? And then it did go downhill a bit after that. But these first two episodes, yeah, the there's a lot of some bad stuff in this show, but there's some really good setup in these first two episodes, and it's a bit of a shame because I think it kind of gets wasted this setup gets wasted um i enjoyed them how do we feel about claire's like sideline investigation stuff i feel like you know generally i i didn't hate it but the same token google in the resident evil universe is incredibly precise uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah um the the claire stuff now i'm not a fan of i'm not a fan of this coffee cup online research, flicking through newspaper montages type thing, which they kind of hinted towards a little bit in mm. this, and I've got some more thoughts on Claire, which I'm going to get into, but it's it's disappointing. Um, just think it didn't really show her in the best light in these first two episodes. And um, Yeah, I think uh, the fact that we barely mentioned her says it all, you know, yeah. forget, you know, not showing her in the best light necessarily. They barely showed her at all. Uh, the, uh, the investigation though when she actually goes into the house I thought you know despite not much happening and she walks into a scary house and it's dark I actually had a good Resident Evil atmosphere yeah. there's nothing with it yeah yeah that's uh, that might be the is that the beginning of episode 3 but yeah that that's that was another one of those like, oh feels like some some horror stuff I looked that like that and 
there's a there's a few cool moments of gore and that was one of them as well because you know if she finds the body and stuff that was one of her best moments out of not many moments at all yeah she's she's very much sidelined throughout the whole thing to be honest and it only really gets worse let's face it um in terms of nitpicks and talking about the rats and stuff like yeah okay the, and then the zombie jumping on the chandelier as well um the zombie i mean this comes into something that we're going to talk about later perhaps but we never really tell what you know they're infected with or what so there's no reason to say they don't have weird super jump abilities who knows you know we don't know what they what type of zombie they are with the rats yeah it's kind of like where the hell do they all come from and also how did you infect rats that's not actually happened before that i can think of you know the whole point is that they carry it around but if they know about raccoon city in great detail and its infection concern the people doing the evil mastermind scheming stuff uh, you know, they could have actually seen rats as a very viable vector. Oh, totally. It's a small-scale place. It's just interesting because I don't think, you know, we've ever seen... They look... I guess they aren't mutated as such. They are a little bit. They're a bit bit monstery, but they haven't done a whole lot. So I guess that's good, you know, rather than turn them into proper B.O.W.s or anything like that. Although, I think somebody says, that's a B.O.W. and I yelled at the screen, no, it's a secondary infectant, but that's because I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> I could be wrong, you're right, maybe somebody did deliberately infect them all, you know. I like them though, I will we'll say that much, you know, nitpicks aside, I, I'm fine with it. Resident Evil's goofy at this point, we've, we've got plenty of goofy stuff like that in all the games, so it's just kind of, meh, deal with it. The stuff that I, I would... take the Stranger Things rats, I'll take the Stranger Things rats any day of the week over what <laughs> happened in Vendetta with like... Uh, plasticine zombies getting gunned down John yeah. Wick style for 20 minutes right exactly that's a great comparison this is a lot less goofy than something like that uh, you know and spoilers for Vendetta all the zombies turning back into humans at the end <laughs> um, my nitpick more comes down to you know shockingly lore stuff and just annoying stuff like the Raccoon City just like Raccoon City we all knew they were going to say it multiple times and they did it's just tiring it's expected but it's tiring this is after re force no mention of you know not spain this is a year after terra grigia the the city in the sea that explodes by giant space laser no mention a year after harderville where leon and claire both were Nothing comes up, doesn't get mentioned. The only nice little reference I really appreciated, I'm sure everyone feels the same, was the Ashley stuff. Maybe they did it three times, was probably too many. But it was was nice to see the, the photo frame and, and stuff like that. That was cool. It was a little cheesy when, you know, the first time Leon and uh, President Graham lock eyes, like, oh, yes, Leon, I will always trust you because you saved my daughter. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah oh, it was a bit ham, ham-fisted, what wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but no, the Ashley stuff was very cute. It actually, um, yeah, I hope that's like a, a a tease of her RE engine model being very much the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Considering Claire completely changed design <laughs> back, um, so we'll get there. Um, we'll definitely get there. Um, right, okay. Let's 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 move on to the second half of the show. Uh, I think we've very much lampshaded our thoughts on this one. Uh, this is, as Steve said, where where it comes off the rails uh pretty quickly and pretty hard i think just from the off as we were saying as i said sort of about oh, funny coincidences for the sake of story 
I like the idea that this Jason's group, the Mad Dogs, which is a stupid name, of course, <laughs> just right up there of Hound Wolf Squad. Um, they all got infected on the battlefield uh, and they get controlled, sort of blackmailed with, you know, we've got this inhibitor that could keep the infection at bay. I like, I like that idea, <laughs> but the sequence is so stupid because they all get bitten in the space of about 30 seconds, every single member of the team. What hilarious convenience that was. So I love it as an idea. The execution was pretty bad. Um, and I, I don't know if that's true about the rest of these episodes. Uh, I don't know if I like the ideas as well as the execution. Kelsey, take it away. Episodes three and four. Uh, highlights and lowlights. <laughs> so episode three, I put, is also known as Infinite Exposition. <laughs> the entire episode is either people standing around telling you the plot or like mm. you mentioned that scene just there now flashback scenes as i said i don't mind like, i like when uh shen may discovers her brother in the body bag and stuff like that and the depth it gives jason but the execution like you said with the zombie scene is just it's just nuts really kind of how it all happens and coincidence uh, you know the coincidence after coincidence as you say is just really in sort of cheap writing but like i tried to as this as i was watching it i tried to sort of not be too critical and just kind of accept it and there's two ways to look at this show which i'll sort of i'll talk about when i round up my thoughts you know it can be you can look at it in this way where we really pick apart all this stuff or we can look at it as a, a bit more sort of surface level kind of popcorn fun it can be popcorn fun but some other stuff lets it down which i'll get to but yeah episode three i thought exposition stuff in Shay mm. uh, Shen Mei's grandfather's home really drags. Uh, they could have cut 10 minutes of this and given it to Claire and have her just develop more and have instead of just having her standing around talking to a police officer mostly. Um he, I think the the visuals of of Shen Mei's brother in the bed just didn't need to see as much of that as we did. I don't mind the silly idea that He's sort of now comatose and trying to find a cure and, and, and all this kind of stuff. But when there's the full-blown sort of reveal, it just looks really stupid, I thought. Mm. And I didn't laugh, but I just, yeah, they could have just hinted at it a bit more subtly, I think, and maybe shown some sort of close-ups or, 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 or kept him out of focus or something. Um, the, the president speech stuff that's like in the backdrop of episode three is so don't even really have much to say about it because so little time is given to that thing that's happening in the background you know with wilson trying to make the president give this damning speech towards china it's, if you're not paying attention you'll completely miss that stuff mm. because you know, there's this character patrick as well who doesn't get nearly enough screen time to make you care he's the sort of you know the catalyst in between the president and 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 wilson I see everything that's happening, but it just gets lost so easily because there's just so much exposition taking up time all over the place. So episode, episode three, I thought, was by far the weakest, except for, as Steve mentioned, that opening with Claire in the house and finding the soldier that's committed suicide. It's, that's cool. Like, tonally, it's it's great, and it's creepy, and it's Resident Evil. And first trailer is basically lot of that style yeah yeah now subsequent trailers moved away from that and now here we are with what we ended up with and i would have liked more of that subtle stuff but Mm. anyway um and then episode four is just kind of 
it's a bit all over the place. It it literally has the cliche scene of the villain Claire's tied to the chair and Wilson just says his entire plan, says everything. <laughs> I'm not sure why he's keeping Claire alive, so he just spills his entire plan to her. This is like eighties, nineties stuff which nobody's really done in a long time, but here it is. Um so I don't know why they're doing it. He has this big lab underground that no one knew was there again this you know (coughs) yeah leon does reference it in a way he says right under everybody's noses typical and i was like is that is that i'm trying to write a good script or is that them referencing how actually stupid it is but (laughs) i'm not sure um there's some weird location hopping going on defying the laws of time like traveling from china in half an hour instead of like two days which it should take them so i don't know what's happening there um yeah when shenmei and leon just appear back from china it just reminds me of game of thrones where they spent five exactly then it takes weeks and months to travel and then all of a sudden the last two seasons it was happening in like a day yeah and that was the that was the exact reference I was going to make as well because you talk about Claire being tied up to that chair. Uh, she's there whilst they're coming from China, I guess. So either she's sat tied in that chair for several days, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> or yeah, while they were there, they used some sort of non-disclosed government teleporter or something. It's yeah. Absolutely, just just stupid, isn't it? There you go. Yeah, I was really confused. I was like, oh, well, I thought they were in Shanghai, but anyway, then. You know, the giant room with all the pods. This reminded me a bit of, like, Heisenberg's factory a little bit in the mm. village with, you know, all the things on the assembly line. Um, I liked Jason letting himself turn and attacking Wilson. That was all kind of fun. But his motivations are just all over the place. Originally, I understood his motivations. And, you know, he'd gone rogue and he wanted didn't want all this stuff to happen again. But he just suddenly starts shouting about fear, fear, <laughs> you know fear. And it's... Yeah, it just sort of really loses all kind of coherence. I guess maybe that is the virus just confusing him or something? I don't know. Mm. He set pieces of everything all crumbling is nuts. There's loads of physics being defied, like defied. Leon, I think at one point, falls like 100 feet and just grabs onto a railing like yeah. Captain America. Um, and I don't really understand the decision to kind of end it all the way they did um with leon saying he just wants to purge the corruption himself like he should be working against claire against her and i'll get more into character stuff yeah we'll we'll save that yeah yeah that that was odd to me um then yeah it's just it was just it's just all over the place and i i liked some of the little bits in there like i really liked claire hopping along in the chair that was very sort of like james bondy and stuff like that the way it was framed and it was this talk more about how it looks as well but this this not film this show was framed very much like it was live action and some of the shots looked very live action but then you have Claire hopping along on the chair which looks great and then you have leon falling 100 feet and grabbing the railing which just looks stupid um and yeah, I, I won't sort of ramble on too more, uh, too much more. But you know, it was just, it was just too much chaos, and it sort of just fell apart. And I was trying to switch my brain off and enjoy it, but I was also just confused at what was happening. And yeah, there was some stuff in there that just frustrated me. Yeah, that's fair. There's a lot of things in there that I definitely want to get into. Um, <clears throat> one of which you mentioned was the the original trailer for the show being the 
spooky vibe of Claire going into the house. I remember when that came out, people were like, uh, don't get too excited yet, because Vendetta, if people remember that, the trailer for that was the beginning of that film, which is very much exactly the same thing. Spooky mansion time, and then in the film, it's about two minutes or whatever, and then it's over, and, and soon enough, Leon is rocketing down the highway, killing people. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's funny how they'll do, they'll be like, oh, look, it's a horror thing, and it's got really no bearing on the overall tone. Um, yeah, the episode three for me is uh, the flashback episode. Like, Every other or every third scene is like a different point of time. And I, I to be honest, it burned me out pretty quickly to go from like, we're back in a couple of years ago with Jason in the military, then we're with Claire. Suddenly we got up for like a minute and then we're doing something with Shen Mei briefly and then we're back again to see the continuation of what happened with Jason. And I just... It felt all over the place for me, to be honest. I didn't, I didn't really like it all. I like, as as you said, I like it when thrillers, if you like the espionage stuff, do that. It makes sense, and it, and yeah, it does sort of explain the motivations of these characters quite well in the time frame that they're given, I suppose. But oh god, it's just yeah, like seeing the same scenes over and over again, but extended as well kind of like it, it would it would sort of lead you back in i was like well i know i just saw this earlier even possibly in this episode and even if i haven't seen it in this episode and we're going to talk about the format of this show most people are going to watch this in one go i'm not really a binge person particularly they're 25 minutes a pop it's less than two hours for the whole thing most fans are going to watch this in one go anyway so we it, it gets exhausting seeing the same bits and it, yeah it just felt very slapdash all over the place for me the pacing takes a takes a real hit from this point with all the flashbacks in episode three and yeah chaos is the word for episode four i I definitely got things to say about that but i'll 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 save it for now steve uh what do you think of episode three and four do i have to uh yes right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i feel like everyone said everything i i like episode three, it is the ep- exposition episode, and it's not even really a, a good payoff, because by this point you've already seen characters do things to where you've eroded all sympathy. For example, Shen Mei's like flay- uh, laying out what's happened to her family and all these other things, like, I don't care! I really- and then the building explodes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> car- things that happen on that part of the, like, in Shanghai, why, why, was, why, why even journey there? What, what, what was the point? The, the narrative said they had to go and check on China, and then obviously that's a setup to kill people, apparently. And then, just like, I, I'm not even sure, is it Jason who blows up that house? They, they it, uh, Yeah, that's what Leon says, but like, okay, what, why? 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 Name, yeah. uh, you, just, you just helped this woman get across the ocean, trying and killed a load of US-like staff, uh, yeah, pr- attempts to kill Leon. To then blow up her brother with her and that, well, uh, 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 yeah. So yeah, any any intrigue and stuff with these characters has already like you know been erased. And then you've got Claire obviously doing her investigation thing, walks straight up to big evil man and goes, "So about this big evil plan you're doing, then a eh? gets ki- <laughs> gets kidnapped, has the monologue as we've already said, and it's just the most basic of like, Resident Evil. Like it was, it's two steps away from you know instead of a, a world of inferno and hate, it's a world of money and power. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. Uh, and then we've got the. the um, I swear it's directly underneath where they're speaking. The way the characters talk, the the tricell laboratory underneath the White House, 
which reminds me of RE5 a lot. Mm. Mm-hmm. With with the Deus Ex Machina Roger Rabbit dip that just <laughs> pops out at the slightest, like someone sneezes in that lab and all right, okay, turn it off, took everything in. Like, hey, why? What is the purpose of this? I mean, it, it, the, 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 I've always wanted to see like what the the American side of the America Umbrella arrangement was. Uh, you know, I, it was kind of vaguely talked about by Simmons and the family, and uh, you know, that would have been an intriguing angle. But instead, they just turn it into a cartoonish laboratory that throws everything away. Whoa. Yeah, I didn't really understand where it was like all, all these like Jason clones, and mm. they're there, and you're like, ah, and then they're not because everything falls apart. So this this could have been oh. a setup, right, for RE9 with like the the whole BSAA soldiers being an old, uh, a more advanced version of whatever the hell these are, but they just get thrown in the sink, mm. uh, in, into the into the goop, and you know it's great that Claire saves herself. Like I thought that was good, considering she's pretty much been lowballed the entire series. Yes, and, I agree with that. And she she breaks herself free. It's not like Leon goes over and goes, "All oh, right, let me unhook this for you." Um, Jason reappears, having not explained his death thoroughly. There's not even like a tease. He just shows up and he's alive, bites the other bad guy, and then, despite having seen the effects of this virus on Junsei, or Junsei, I'm sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing that name, as a debilitated, crippled, moldy-looking zombie, he goes into what I can only describe as what if the tyrant but the mold, uh, visually speaking. Yeah. And it's just like a belligerent gorilla man. Mm -hmm. He He just jumps around... Spouts dialogue. All right, okay, fair. You know, every other person who's been affected by this, Jason, has turned into a completely like shambling chaos zombie. But you do you, mate. You have monologues. Yeah, it's. Uh, you say shouts dialogue, but I don't even know if I call it dialogue. It's the same. God, awful, isn't it? It's the same thing over and over and over again. His goal was paper thin. Didn't make sense. I thought his design was absolute crap like it's like glenn you look like glenn arius but worse like oh well done you just <laughs> well done on that one you're right it makes absolutely no sense and, and then we have like you know the, i get we might we have to have like a final boss style thing and it was cool in concept to like oh we're gonna get a tyrant and then it's just you just you just really just shot his arm off with a 50 cal rifle and he falls in some goo yeah Although the, the visual of him on the uh, like pike was kind of cool on the twisted bit of metal, I thought that was kind of neat. But yes, the actual battle itself was very meh. Oh, uh, unsatisfying mm. and, and and strange plot revelations and the geography alone. I think I said this to Sai when uh, after my first rewatch, so I, I didn't realize Shanghai was just two minutes round the bend from Washington. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, isn't it? I, I, yeah. <sighs> Convenience. It starts out as like this really intriguing political conspiracy with people doing like scheming things and some honestly kind of tight scenes. And then uh, it, it, it becomes a CGI Resident Evil movie again in the last two episodes. Now, this is a spoiler for the future of uh, any CGI movies we cover. Steve is not a big fan and he sees the exact same problem in this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know if you could call it satisfying action. Like, no. this is how I managed to make using a rocket launcher dull. This is like meant to be the payoff in a Resident Evil, a Resident Evil game is you know taking the big baddie out with a big gun, and it's just okay. Let's try this. Punch a hole in the ceiling. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm just shouting and ranting. Wilson's <laughs> motivation and stuff. It, 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 as they said, it's just I'm going to make you my puppet. 
<laughs> I we haven't covered the CGI films yet, so I won't go into my opinions too much. What I can say is, if this is a show of two halves and this second half is the CGI movie, this is the worst one of the lot. This is the worst one of the lot. It just, it, yeah, the second half nosedive is so bad for all the reasons we've it talked really about. Is. I, do you know what would would have helped, perhaps, is to understand. I mean, maybe it's just for me, but what is the virus? What is this virus? It doesn't have a name. We don't have any information about it. Where did it come from? What does it do? Like, it creates zombies, but we don't know anything about them. Are they different, especially in any way? Are they just normal? Is it tea-related? Somehow it infects rats. We don't know, but it, it does that as well. And yeah, it, it'll either, like, debilitate you completely or randomly become a tyrant. I don't like... They gave you no backstory on where this virus came from or what. Okay, Tricell logo, that was pretty cool. That was, like, the standout moment. Uh, just to tie it in with the actual universe but like what the concept is already there right because i mean wesker's Ouroboros, not Ouroboros, but wesker's wesker's prototype virus whatever mm. he has to use suppressants for that so that makes sense try sell using suppressants to make this virus work but it's just it's a whole lot of work isn't it yeah you know you, uh, to make a virus that can can give you no discernible benefit because it's not like jason was doing anything particularly spectacular until he transformed i think this waylaying an illness yeah i think this makes tricell look stupid to be honest because and it doesn't really help because they look at this virus and they we don't know anything about it so i assume they don't know anything about it either and they just abandoned it and they didn't do anything with it which is exactly what they kind of basically did with revelations they get t phobos and go oh it's too dangerous we're not going to do anything with it like what do you do then tricell what do you do just useless I've got a bit of a bone to pick with the Claire thing as well while we're shouting. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to run down some, some releases that we've had in the last six years for you. Uh, Biohazard of Stage 2015. Rebecca uh, gets kidnapped and is a damsel in distress. Um, Revelations 2, that's fine. Umbrella Corpse, which doesn't have a story, so it doesn't matter. Resident Evil 7, Mia goes missing, kidnapped. Um uh, Resident Evil 2 remake, Resident Evil 3 remake, okay, fine, pre-existing stories. Resident Evil Village, Mia gets kidnapped again. Oh, sorry, in the middle there I missed Resident Evil Vendetta. Rebecca gets kidnapped again. Also, Infinite Darkness, Claire gets kidnapped now. So why does this keep happening now? I'm sorry, what, when, did we, when was this a thing? I'm not, I don't want to be one of those people who goes, where's this character, why this? But why Resident Evil, you know, <laughs> this is like a whole other pulpit right here, but it's one of those great series that didn't overly sexualize its female characters from the off um jill is an equal part of re1 claire is an equal part of re2 jill gets re3 basically you know she's the sole playable character and in the last five years rebecca's been kidnapped twice mia's been kidnapped twice claire is being kidnapped we haven't seen jill in you know 12 years what's going on like why does this keep happening who thinks this is I, I, I'm sure they don't look at all these releases and realise this is happening, but someone has to point it out to them, because this is getting very boring and very tiring now, not to get to see these characters do cool things. And it's... You know, I don't have any issue with it, but what... Leon again and again and again. Great for Leon fans, but it's tiring when other characters don't do anything in these stories, except get kidnapped. There you go. Yeah, I think... Um... Like I completely agree, and I think when I watch this, as a, from other reasons that I mentioned as well, like with the, the 
the exposition and the villain sort of revi- uh, plot, you know, where he tells his whole plan. I just think some of the reference points from the writers are, I don't know, maybe loads of old movies and stuff where just things happen that, you know, that, well, that just don't happen anymore because it's just a very old thing to do and mm. they kind of haven't caught up with it in that sense because, <clears throat> excuse me, the the, that... the the idea that the the idea that Claire is kidnapped it's like in a vacuum it's fine but you're completely right when this keeps happening it's just so seeing this again with another character we're seeing this again with another character and when I'm watching this and I'm looking at Claire I I'm like I've seen you do some other stuff like I know like how cool she is and how badass she is and jumping ahead to sort of character stuff a little bit really but it just feels like she's reduced in a way that just even for fans of resident evil you know for casual fans maybe not so much but for for all fans will look at her and go well claire's taken down a lot more um evil and powerful stuff than this you know why is why Mm -hmm. is she just being sidelined here in this way and strapped to a chair and yeah there's a lot of things to get angry about in that sense I also have a weird thing that when I try to watch these things, like I I try not to worry too much about the way it connects to everything else, um, and I try to just sure this for what it is and and criticize it for itself. But for all that, for all those things you've just mentioned, like you kind of have every right to be frustrated and annoyed because it just brings the whole thing down. Yeah, like, we've been uh having reasonably well written resident evil games since like you know generously you know not throwing anything under the bus like since like five but um, what i'm going at is like you know since seven and the remakes eight they they have Mm. like professional writers on staff and this feels like if they have access to these people they're not they're not freaking using them Mm. like this this feels like the most uh cliche cook the, the plot erodes like it starts out really strong and it feels like a discount ps2 games plot uh, and <laughs> it's very much accurate in the, the fact that Resident Evil seems to become addicted to damseling its cast. Mm. Uh, I mean, we all know the real reason why is that, you know, judging from RE2's performance, uh, you know, Claire is OP and would have solved this in five minutes compared to Leon's yeah. reaction to most things. Claire wants to kick its ass. It's just the way she is. That, that's me only being a slight joke. Uh, I know Claire's portrayal in Remake 2 is divisive. I'm not going to unravel that one. But... Um, yeah, it's it's atrocious to be honest with you because like, like people pointed out before, like Resi was fairly, you know, not not mega woke, but it was better at portraying mm-hmm. female characters than yeah. just people who get kidnapped and strapped to chairs. Uh, and that's uh, actually a thing that disappoints me a lot about this. Uh, I didn't think we were going to touch this topic today, but yeah, it, it, it is infuriating. Yeah, neither did I. To be fair, it's just it just just sort of happens, doesn't it? It's like it it it. Just to finish off, what makes it worse is the fact that, as many people have pointed out, you could basically take Claire out of the story and it wouldn't make a difference, really. So she basically, even the kidnap part, I mean, she's just there for Wilson to do his exposition to. They needed someone in that that spot. She doesn't really contribute too much to the overall story. They could have just written her out and written a different way to do it. She doesn't. It could have been Ashley. Yeah. That would have been, have been. That actually would have probably been. I mean, would it have been and better or not? I don't know. I would have. I would have liked that because I would like to have seen her. But it would have been kind of like, oh, she's getting kidnapped again. So I would have had the same reaction. But yeah, I get you. 
I mean, as grim as Damsling Ladies is, I mean, in RE4, Ashley gets kidnapped. It, it, you know, the, the, the narrative through line is there. Mm. It, you know, not not to will bad, you know, bad luck on poor president's daughter or anything. I get um, you. Yeah, it's a it, it, it makes more sense as a sort of tonal through line. You're totally right. And now, reading the file, Female Villager's Diary from Resident Evil Revelations 2, Kansas, who you can find on Casting Call Club as Canny B. My dearly beloved, it has been a year since you left to go work in the mines. I thank you for your service, and of course I am thankful to the one who gave us this opportunity, the one who saves us from despair. You were supposed to be gone for only a year, that was the term, yet you have not returned. Why? But it's not just you, friends, other villagers. They disappear and never return. I've heard rumors of poison gases and beasts and unspeakable hoarders, and I don't want to say what else. I hope you return home as soon as possible. I'm waiting for you. Let's uh, let's give the story a rest before we talk about characters. Um, let's talk about the formatting as a show. Basically, just the big question is. Should this have been a film, or is it better off as a show? Steve, what do you think? Would you have preferred... I mean, you probably watched this all in one go anyway, but um, should they have just marketed it as one complete thing, or, or what do you think? It should have been a series, and it should have had more episodes to draw it out <laughs> and slow its pace a bit, and maybe yeah. then people would care a bit more. Yep. Like, if, if some of the reveals and stuff had been slowed down, if episode three had been, say, three or four freaking episodes with a bit more st- something happening with Patrick in the background, or, you know, Ashley, or anything you know in the white house that was just like you know mr president you should really do this thing mm. you know might have helped this a lot like i feel like this is rushed to say it was cut up into four bits yeah uh, i agree with that um it, i've got on my notes it could have done with two more episodes really just to let us explore some characters more their backstory just in a in a slower paced way rather than as I was saying with the, the flashbacks being all over the place you, you're, you're right you could have metered that out a bit and it probably would have worked and again if you're going to market this as a show make it more like a show in that way we could have had more with these character relationships a bit more we could have had I think it was Kelsey that said the turn comes way too quick you could have had the turn a little bit later at least and, and have these characters build more of a rapport so yeah so that sympathy as we talked about isn't completely lost um, even just things the characters do. Start. Just look at. The, I mean, what's? Why didn't Jason just shoot Wilson there and then in the first five minutes in the White House? Like, yeah, probably. Yeah, lights are off. No one would know it was you. Kind of situation. Um, You're totally right. Like that was one of the relationships, particularly. I just wanted to say, you know, their relationship needed fleshing out. I would have liked to see them like interact before the end of the film, where he just crushes him to death, which was a cool visual, but. I didn't care like it would have been nice to sort of explore and maybe show more or talk about a bit more the years where Wilson has been holding this inhibitor over his head um Kelsey what do you think of the format of this should it have been just a film or should it have been a longer show what do you think it's it should have been a film should have been a film with a better story Um, (laughs) there was a lot of talk going into this about whether it was literally just a film they'd cut into four episodes and it wasn't it's clear that they actually made a tv series but with not enough episodes as exactly for the reasons you both said um the, the plot across these four episodes is closer to a movie but because the way it jumps around in just four episodes that's where it just falls apart and 
know, animation at this level is expensive to do, so it should have just been a film if they could only afford to do this amount of minutes. Um, you know, the, usually the idea of doing a TV series is for those exact reasons. You can let characters breathe, you can let the story breathe, the overarching story across the series can breathe, and each episode can have a little story in it that things happen, you know, mm. beginning, middle, and end. But this... It's some of these episodes sort of have a beginning, middle, and end, and then some of them don't. Episode three in particular doesn't. Um, yeah, because it's only four episodes, it really suffers. So, I say it should have been a movie. Like it, it can't just be a movie with what it is. Because if you just watch it all in one go, it still has the same problems. But if they knew, okay, this is just a movie, it could have. They probably would have had to take a character out or, or change something here and there in the story to make it work better as a as a film. Mm. So I think the idea of doing a series is really good. You do two more episodes. It needs at least two more episodes yeah. for this to work, at least. It would have been, if they'd have said this is a 10-episode series, I think we could have possibly, possibly been onto something here. But, I mean, production-wise... I, I'm not sure that will ever happen just because it would just be so unbelievably expensive. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think the, deci- the decision to make it a series is, in effect, a big reason for its shortcomings. Yes, I agree with that. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the future of it, perhaps, and second seasons at the end in our, in our conclusions. Um, let's talk about characters then, just to get a bit more specific with them um, and, and portrayal, casting, stuff like that. Um, I'll start, I suppose. Um, the big, I guess, a big standout for me as a fan of the character, um, since we just talked about the lack of use of her, what I do want to say is, or reiterate, because I think I'm pretty sure I have said it online, pretty much these words, is what a difference a look makes to a character um, with Steph's performance as Claire. Now, don't get me wrong, I did like her portrayal of Claire in Remake too. As Steve has said, you know, it's, it's a divisive one. Um, but hearing her voice come out of a Claire that looks like the Claire that we're used to really was brilliant. I think she did a fantastic job and it felt so much more like OG Claire. It felt like much more like part of the timeline. Um, and it, and it, it made sense to me more to see that that version of Claire uh, with essentially the Revelations 2 outfit. So I guess she really likes that red leather jacket. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I thought she, I thought she did fantastically. I think overall the cast was very strong, and we'll get into specifics, but I just wanted to shout that one in particular because, yeah, as much as I liked her in Remake 2, she does stick a, out, like, design-wise, Claire sticks out like a, a sore thumb in that. Um, so it's cool to have uh, Stephanie Panicello play a, a more classico version of Claire, if you like. Uh, Kelsey, any, what's what do you think of uh, characters? Uh, so I'm gonna, actually going to start with Jason, and look, I'm going to try to say some good things because I don't want to just sit here and just and just crap all over this show because in there there is stuff that I like. So I will talk about the stuff that I like. So I'll start with Jason, and although it's kind of slightly unimaginative in terms of his look, I I think he's the standout character, and he is the main character mm. of this show mm-hmm. as well. Um, his motives to begin with do make sense. Now, let's excuse the pacing and the early turn and why he didn't kill Wilson and stuff. I'm just trying to focus on things that are there for him. And in the context of this thin and confusing story, I think his motives work well. And I, I, I'm not one to really kind of 
I didn't think I'd find myself being a, a fan of a, a soldier character, but I think he works. And he sort of has this awakening when he sees the horrors of war. And as I said earlier, he goes th- he goes rogue. And that can be a real threat to the government because he has all inside knowledge and connections and things like that, a bit like Shen Mei does as well. And I thought the flashbacks did help flesh him out. He shows, you know, sort of compassion for 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 his other mad dogs, uh, if you like. <laughs> um, he shows compassion mm. for finding survivors. I think he works as a main character, even if he wasn't supposed to. And most of the stuff he does makes sense. And his brutalness, which is depicted really early on, like I say, I didn't like, and it makes him really unsympathetic. So this makes... The, I think because you see him murder these people it made me care less about him going on but the whole time i was just kind of thinking oh, i wish he hadn't thrown the knife into that guy's neck because <laughs> you know his plan of trying to expose wilson and stuff it's like yeah okay that's sound but just the way he goes about it isn't sound and mm. then then just his transformation side like he has the arc he has the probably the clearest arc of any character in the show but then it just becomes nonsense towards the end um with his transformation so performance wise it was good like he has the scene where you know he says he has nightmares every day and he wakes up and he's in a cold sweat and he's almost crying and like you mentioned that scene with leon that is a really good scene Mm. and that was another scene that made me think jason was one of the best characters it probably is the best character in this in terms of what he you know whether i wanted him to be the best character or not yeah he just is he has the most to do and there's a lot of focus on him um Leon, I you know there's been a lot of critics of Leon generally. I'm never really one of these critics, and I think because I'm, I always have a soft spot of him because of the original get, uh, RE2 and stuff like that. Um, I won't go into his other appearances really, but in this show, he just he just comes off like it's a total, well, just a <laughs> and an idiot to be honest. Um, he comes off really naive, like he's supposed to be at this point moderately seasoned, you know he. Sort of goes to use his gun in the submarine, tries to ask out Shen Mei straight away, um, and I just think he's badly portrayed. And you think, okay, maybe he's suffering PTSD as well, and that's where he has this connection with Jason. But the dialogue is just so bad that, uh, and the character—I don't want to say the voice performance because it's not the voice performance, just the character just comes off wooden, um, and. He always seems to be a step behind everybody. Like his aiming skills are literally the only thing that are his strength. Like when he fires a gun, he lands a headshot. That's great. <laughs> you know? um, Over his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this just sort of smoldering, this constant smoldering. Like it's just so boring to be honest. And I was, this was the first time really with Leon where I've kind of gone, ah, oh, maybe I do agree with all those people that are really critical of his character. Um, I thought he was depicted really badly in this. Interesting. Um, uh, the the and on the flip side, Claire been sidelined in the story, but in the context of what she does and how she's depicted, like her character, she's you know they stick to the humanitarian stuff. Mm. That's cool because I think that makes sense for the character in the whole universe of Resident Evil. Maybe that's what she would have gone to do after Raccoon City. Um, it's just frustrating that she doesn't have more to do and um, as I said I'm not a fan of the whole online research montages and stuff like that Um, she voice performance was fantastic I thought and it was vibrant and smart there's loads of tone to her performance I think Claire's 
voice performance is probably the best in the show, which is amazing considering how little she's in it. Mm. Um, but as I said, I did like Jason as well. Um, she shows moments of real skill and strength, unlike Leon, to be honest. You know, she does the headbutt, which is kind of cool, um, and the and the, the chair shuffle stuff, which I mentioned. And she does get undermined a little bit. Uh, Leon sort of runs to rescue her, uh, you know, and help her make the jump off of the monitor or whatever it is she stood on. But at the end of the show, again, I think Leon just comes off worse. Claire comes off as good guy. She comes off as the one with the the best intentions whereas Leon mm. just like why are you why are you being this stubborn why do you think it's all up to you you've got to take them down and he's just blinded by this weird loyalty to a weird duty or something I don't really understand um, mm. yeah Claire feels a bit too separate from the story as we've said so there could have been more even in there for her somewhere um, so then so I'm, just... just, I'm going to cut you off we'll circle back around to the other ones um, but I, I wanted to say that I agree with you heavily on one and disagree heavily on the other, um, cool. which is quite interesting. Both sort of in positive ways, though. So I I thought that Jason, um, up to a certain point, perhaps even that scene that I mentioned with him and Leon, maybe I even started to wonder, is he going to be a character that by the end of this goes in that sort of box of toys where everyone sort of goes, when when is X character coming back? When are we getting Billy Chevron arc? I was like, oh man, this, you know, Ray Chase's performance was great. As you said, like his early stuff where it shows his compassion for his team and sort of his authoritative nature. I was like, oh wow, yeah, I really like this. Even after that, I would go even a little bit further up to the end of episode two, you know, when he dies, quote unquote. I would, maybe you could even, if you just bin the rest of this, because clearly we don't like the second half. You could make an interesting sort of reoccurring villain out of him. They're never going to do that in Resident Evil because we don't get reoccurring villains. But this sort of like guy who's against the American government almost could be like Leon's next Krauser or, or, or another Krauser going on. Um, like, that's an interesting idea. But yeah, I agree after you kind of... It's like an evil Chris that could have actually worked. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah, very much like that. In terms yeah, of... That's... Oh, sorry, go on just to say that's exactly where i was coming from like i wasn't trying to say he's a good guy oh no totally he, he, he had the depth there to do more with mm. exactly as Which you is said a shame because we're not going to get yeah. that now yeah oh. um and on the case of leon i actually think that a lot of this works really really well because all the cringy the quips and the making passes at women. This is after RE4. So that's what he does now, I guess. You know, it's stupid. We talked about it before in our RE4 podcast briefly that, it, you know, he's a little bit of a misogynist, if you like, you know, constantly making passes at women uh, or whatever. It's, it's a little bit cringy, but that's fine. And you get the element here, especially at the end, as you mentioned, of the sort of grumpy turn of Leon. As you perfectly put it, I think for me, in a positive way, this duty to do it all himself um, before he's, you know, in Damnation and Resident Evil 6 and stuff where he, he's very much shoot anyone infected, ask questions later, they're going to turn, you have to kill them now. Um, this is right the sweet spot for me in between those two characters. I think they did a, a pretty good job with the writing and the performance uh, from Nick as well, which again, as we, as we talked, even before this came out, it'd be great to see him play Leon again and it was indeed. Um, we'll get on to sort of ancillary characters. Uh, Steve, Leon, Jason, Claire, 
your thoughts uh, Claire, yeah, no, I, I all in agreement. I think Claire is uh, for one for a shadow of a doubt. I feel like if you'd have just dropped a few swears, like as in not, took them out of the script, <laughs> fundamentally it's just Alison, you know, Steph reading Alison's kind of like tone and uh, performance to it. I mm-hmm. think it's uh, one of the uh, better portrayals generally. Um, you know, if I were to rank it anyway, uh, Leon, I feel like this is RE6 Leon with uh, a little bit of naivete of Remake 2 Leon and the, the terrible jokes of RE4 Leon. It feels like they literally took the quote unquote highlight bits and put it in a blender. I don't mean any disrespect, I think Nick does did well with what he had. You know, I um didn't dislike their character, I just felt like it was a bit like if there was a by the numbers version of Leon Kennedy, this is it. You know, yeah, I get that. that final scene. I actually, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've trampled all over this, but I actually, uh, fair play between the dynamic between Leon and Claire. I, that final scene I thought was great because the, the, the chaotic good nature of Claire versus the lawful good nature of Leon coming at odds, seeing characters who have been long standingly allies coming into conflict. I thought that actual scene was uh, very well done. If the lingering shot of Leon walking back to the White House didn't need to go on for 20 seconds. <laughs> I was expecting an, uh, a car to pull out and stop. Well, okay. <laughs> Sorry, wrong thing. Um, as for Jason, yeah, no. Uh, the first few episodes, like, I even still had a pang of sympathy for them after killing off the... Like, like if you can find a way for you to justify killing those people in the sub, I will still carry on like you know not disliking your character but the second he's shot dead and then comes yeah. back later on yeah like ray chase did great as a uh, you know a not chris redfield who is justifiably doing bad things for reasons that make sense as in they've been hard done by and used by the government their entire unit's been wiped out uh, and then they go off the rails and start spouting how fear is going to go into terror over and over again. Like that moment where he's traumatizing, well, you know, taking drugs and confused as the living daylights of himself in the sub. I thought, oh, wow, this is going to get interesting. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's fair. When he's like a 10 foot gray skinned beefcake just saying fear, terror, and then killing his ally, you know, poor Shen Mei just gets maimed. Yeah, that was that was the only like moment of the show where like was Yay! shocking in a good way. I was like, wow, I really didn't see that coming. It's dumb, but I didn't. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, he does. He, he did a great voice delivery, and honestly, made me intrigued about a character until the rot set in. I don't know what else to say about <laughs> that part. You know, Steph does a fantastic job as Claire. You know, believe it or not, I, you know, I, I, I never been against Stephanie Panacella's Claire. I always thought it was like a, a slightly different, slightly edgier take of the character. This is the closest it's been to like OG Claire. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, Leon, actually, you know, when you consider the previous Leon timeline-wise is degeneration, it's not hard to go. Yeah, it's not too bad actually, because mm-hmm. uh, degeneration Leon, you could just take Plank from Ed, Ed and Eddie and put a pair of curtains on it and get about there. Um, so, yeah, not not bad, actually. You know, all things considered, the characters, you know, their portrayals at least, and how they behave, make sense, even if the script is complete and total chocolate starfish. <laughs> all right, sorry, Kels, I didn't mean to cut you off. You had some more to say on characters. And that's fine. The only other one I really had notes on was, was Shen Mei, mm-hmm. to be honest, because, uh, you know, those four being four characters the four main characters i think they're the four that are on the poster um and i thought she's another pretty good character the similar issues with jason like i stopped kind of being sympathetic towards her and she just murdered the people on the sub and 
Um, she's let down by bad dialogue. Mm. Um, and he, I mentioned already the scene, like the stuff with her brother. Like it's good. It, the stuff with her brother is good, but it's all too late. Like it's it's come after all this other stuff. And I think Theon is supposed to be conflicted, you know, to to help them or not. But you know, he's kind of right. He has no reason to help them because they are just murderers. I think if this was a good movie, they wouldn't have done that. And you would be like, who should we side with here? And all those questions just go out the way. But the show kind of kind of portrays. And May in particular, because obviously she doesn't turn into the big monster, as somebody that you're supposed to feel really sorry for. But I just don't, and it's a shame because could have if she just didn't murder these people. Um, the performance was fine. Um, mm. The the death was, I mean, visually it was brutal, and you know, and kind of it's it's cool to have those bits of violence and stuff here and there that you aren't expecting. She got what she deserved. I mean, you know, that's what <laughs> I keep going back to it. They, they try to make these central characters. You're supposed to maybe root for her, but you just cannot. Um, so she was she was good, but just confusing. And there's a lot of confusion in this um, mm. for the reasons you've all mentioned. And I think I'm in agreement. You know, and just again with Leon, like, I, I don't know what it is that just left me hollow. I think. I understand, you know, that he has these traits that, okay, that's just Leon, but performance-wise, I don't know. There was just something really lacking. Like, it was just very robotic uh, for me. Um, i got to be honest, now, because I love Remake 2 Leon, and I think Nick is so good in that because he's the rookie cop. I think he's awesome. I don't know if he has the season for his voice for this stage of Leon. I need to be honest, like when Leon was talking, his voice just to me sounded too young. It sounded mm. too. Nick is quite soft spoken and was. was just something missing from his performance for me for Leon, which I think maybe is what, it, what let it down. Um, you know, there was no. Whereas Claire just has you know, tenacity, she has everything. As we've said, it's the best performance in the show, and which is crazy because of her small screen time. Mm. Screen time but. Yeah, that's it. And then the other characters, as I mentioned, like Patrick, they could have they could have done a lot more with that subplot with the president and Wilson and Patrick. But there's like maybe five minutes of screen, not even five minutes of screen time across the whole show, so you don't really get to see anything of him. Yeah, Wilson is boring. Really, yeah, yeah, I don't really buy him as this big guy in charge of it all. Like you know, he seems to be able to barely get around sometimes, and it's just. Choose a DEFCON level, and that's about yeah. the only thing I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my main thoughts overall. Like, think the um, so as I say, there's lots of gaps with these characters and stuff that doesn't feel well thought out and stuff that feels lazy. But all of the characters do have part to play. If you think about what all of them do, mm. Leon may be the exception to the rule, uh, but the other three in particular they have a reason to do what they're doing, which, you know, I, despite how shaky it is, I will cling on to. So there is yeah. something there, character-wise. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, out of all four of them, I think Shen Mei, sort of the main cast, is probably at the bottom. She's, I, yeah, the reasons you said, it's just hard to care about how <clears throat> after the things that she's done and then suddenly she's worries me about her family and stuff like that bad guy sucks um 
I guess one positive was it was nice to see President Graham for the first time. I didn't know what to expect, um, but I quite like him as this sort of like quiet, thinky sort of character. He doesn't say a whole lot, but you get a few shots of him sort of staring into the middle distance, weighing up the uh, sort of responsibility and his decisions and stuff, which I actually quite liked. A stereotypical, like, you know, animated movie or, you know, political drama president. And they yes. are a solid, like, solid through line. You know, I can't complain. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can... He has a massive nose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, actually, it's strange because I was looking at him visually this afternoon uh, just, to, you know, checking up stuff for the podcast. And he, he was, they clearly went back to Ashley's design and kind of like, what can we put that was generational features from? Because they actually do look related. Mm. And I think that's kind of good. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so last bit before we sort of wrap up um, is we have to talk about the way this looks and sounds, especially being a CGI uh, picture as well, sort of the, the graphics used. Um, for me, starting off, I'd say sort of 80% of the time, it's pretty good. In fact, in some places, it's it's really great. Some of the locations, um, particular sort of like sweeping shots outside the White House, looked unbelievably good. Like, there's one shot, I think, near the beginning of episode four that just looked real. Right. Some of it, not as good. Some of the, you know, the fight scene stuff at the end is pretty rubbish. And uh, there's it's weird because the character models for the main cast are really good like when we're talking we keep going back to this one scene clearly it is the best scene but sort of Jason sweating after his nightmare and stuff like that it just looks superb but then <laughs> there's a couple of extra characters that look like sort of like stylized Pixar quality characters there's a dude on I think it's sort of like military dude right at the beginning uh, sort of communications guy he looks like the main character from Ratatouille like just smooth faced very cartoony it's so distracting from this like ooh action in the military field out in the Middle East stuff's happening digga 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 and then you've got yeah the guy from Ratatouille there giving orders to the soldiers very weird um, but yeah overall pretty strong um one other standout thing for me, I don't have a lot to say on this to be fair, was the uh, body infected rats themselves looked really, really good. And I like the lighting on that scene. In terms of sound, music was decent. The theme song's decent. Nothing to write home about, but yeah, pretty solid, aesthetically speaking. Steve, what do you think of the visuals and audio for Infinite Darkness? Uh, fairly strong, actually. I, I think, uh, you know, uh, extras from Pixar aside. It's uh, not bad. I actually really <laughs> like the core cast and how they look. And uh, shout out to the, the the political trio, except for the large bold man. They all look like actual characters that could be in a Resident Evil game at some point. You know, yeah. Um, shout out to Patrick as Leon fanboy number one, and who looks bewildered and confused the entire time. I assure <laughs> you, me, we're trying to follow the plot, and we were too. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, Audio-wise, I actually really like the main theme. Like, I know characters that don't tend to get their own, like, character leitmotif theme, the main characters, but I feel like if Leon was to have a theme, this one could pass for it. Mm. You know, the whole, like, you know, very... uh, It's very sort of like... Like, drill instructory, like, routine thing to it. Yeah, Um, there's a very sort of, like, morose but militant vibe to it that totally suits you. You're totally right. I could see that. It, you know, I don't want to compare the two because it's not quite as good as, but it does sort of remind me in a weird way of the outbreak theme and how some people will think of that as the Resident Evil theme. 
Um, I could take this and use this as Leon's theme if I wanted to, definitely. Yeah, if he appears in, like, you know, Marvel vs. Capcom 4, this is the theme they play. It makes yeah, sense. sure. It's like Rustin Summer is Chris's, apparently. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but no, the, generally speaking, it's visually and stuff actually kind of decent, I would say. It's on par with those high-spec pachinko machines you see for, like, you know, <laughs> and Konami games, which is actually pretty expensive CG. For yeah. Sure. Japanese stuff not to like sound cheap but it isn't it's not uh, and I, there's lots of cheap CGI anime and stuff that's on Netflix by comparison this blows it out of the water significantly mm-hmm. so yeah if you're just looking for pure eye candy it's not gonna like beat Godzilla or something but it's it's solid and yeah. that, that opening shot of the uh, disemboweled zombie opening their eyes I, uh, before the first title sting I thought was fantastic a uh, fantastic like, almost realistic visual too mm-hmm. yeah um, you could definitely do a lot worse uh, visually yeah. speaking yeah totally uh kelsey thoughts on the aesthetics of uh, id oh yes i have lots <laughs> of thoughts on this um okay so just to sort of give you an idea about where i'm going to go with this is when i if you want to ruin some of your favorite movies of all time take like a film studies course because as soon as you <laughs> discover these sort of things that are done and are supposed to be done you look back at things you love and go wow that was terrible um me this is a very mixed bag now i will say as you've pointed out the render is mostly fantastic like when it's good the lighting and texturing is stellar some of the shots do actually look real. There's a shot of Leon running down the submarine from behind where it's like red and dark. It looks like a live action shot. Um, I worked in an animation studio for like six years, and but I don't think you need to be an expert in animation to spot the errors in this show. Like some of the run cycles, the poses and movements was like seriously pushing student level stuff. And if you watch it again with this in mind, like you will see sometimes in the same shot, there's the mocap actors looking fantastic. And there's people off to the side haven't been polished and that have just been looked like they've been handed off to the intern. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And like, I have to say this because for me, this is where I've tried to be so positive about the show in lots of different ways, but this is what really, really lets it out. I can excuse like really bad like writing and stuff like and dialogue and stuff like that if it's if it just looks good, it's up to a certain standard. But there's so many errors in this that for me it really let me down. There's, there's arms pointing weird ways, there's people holding guns in really odd ways. Uh, that end shot with Leon when he's walking away there's literally like a glitch on it like he's sort of vibrating some of the characters look like they're floating off the floor and I do wonder if there was a scheduling issue with this show um, because production was no doubt hindered by the pandemic and lots of remote working and things like that and pressure to get shots finished and they without a doubt focused on the main characters and the close-up shots the close-up shots look amazing once the camera starts getting wider and once there's more than say two characters in the same shot it really does start to fall apart and like (laughs) frankly like some of the animation is just embarrassing and it really sucks to say that because like i love resident evil and when i think of this potentially being a gateway for netflix viewers netflix is the biggest 
one of the biggest streaming platforms. Maybe somebody hasn't seen anything to do with Resident Evil. This is the first thing they watch. There's lots of things that are going to let them down. And I think even casual viewers might just laugh at how ropey some of it is. That high that high level of render isn't enough for me. And I think animation is hard to get right at length. You're going to go for the hyper-realistic style that they do in this. It all has to look good. Because the second something doesn't fit in with the rest of it, it that's, yeah. It, it can It just ruins the illusion. And... I would rather that they went for something a bit more stylized that can be more forgiving but evidently that's not the choice they made they mm. wanted to stick to the full-blown cg pushing real it's not realistic it's hyper real this is the style that they go for um and like i say i watched this twice and i'm not gonna list oh look at that shot that looks rubbish this was rubbish this was rubbish but shot to shot there are a lot of problems with the animation and I I had to say that like because there's bits in this show that I love, but even if you're going to take all that stuff out of it, animation I think lets it down. And I I need to distinguish between the animation and the render because mm-hmm. as a still image it looks fantastic. Once things are moving, some of it is just it's it's pretty bad to be honest. And I I I'd hate to be so negative, but I have to say it because I came away from this show with that being my biggest takeaway as that animation was unfinished in places and I, I, I'm kind of disappointed that it wasn't more polished across the board. Yeah, that's fair. That's why I sort of uh, didn't get into because I knew you'd have a lot to say based on your history. So that's quite interesting, actually. It's I think maybe it's something that I'm used to with some projects, you know, with the focus being in certain places, but... You're right, you know, with it being so high fidelity on on the main character renders and stuff like that. Um, you got it looks re- great. Not, not yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say no excuse because as you said, the pandemic and stuff like that. But yeah. it's yeah. it's not a good look, is it really? No, and I, I think, like I say, it's those the models look great. I love the models. There's there's you know so much time and attention has gone into them, but it's once those wider shots are there. There's a there's actually a scene with I think it's episode two when it opens with the more of the Mad Dogs flashback. It's it's amazing. Like it's done really well. They clearly mocap to the whole team, and there's just other stuff in the White House. And even sometimes when Leon is running, like it just looks it's just it just looks really bad and silly. And I wanted to give that perspective on it. And I I I, I can take that hat off and I can look at it and go. It's fun, you know, it's mm-hmm. popcorn-y, and I shouldn't think about that. But it was just some of it that was just too hard to ignore for me. And, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's let's wrap this puppy up. Um, final thoughts on Infinite Darkness, how it holds up. Um, would you be interested, I suppose, is another big question, would you be interested in a second season? Um and I guess also, do you think it's going to happen? Steve, final thoughts, Infinite Darkness. First two episodes are perhaps some of the best a Resident Evil CGI movie has been. Mm-hmm. The, the latter two episodes are perhaps the worst a, yeah. uh, a CGI Resident Evil thing has been. Uh, I would like to see a second season, but I do feel like time, preparation, you need to get a better writer on board. You're working with Netflix, Capcom, go get the Duffer Brothers for Stranger Things or something. I'm sure they can spare five minutes. You know, 
my goodness, like the, the the plot unravels in such an unsatisfactory fashion. The 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 big bad reveals are nonsensical. The geography somehow manages to upset me. And I'm not normally one of these people who gets upset about that, but the fact that Shanghai is apparently two minutes away from Washington DC just puzzles me. It confuses the living daylights out of me. Uh, but no, overall, watch the first two episodes and ditch it. I would like to see a new season. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think what else to sum up on this is. It's The character portrayals are strong, even with a script that is completely uh, lackluster, for want of a better term. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, on rewatch, I, I don't think I'm going to watch this ever again. So uh, there's law there's law stuff I want to get into, but I get the feeling that might be a discussion for another time. But the, the whole idea behind the American conspiracy, you know, that the, their side of bioweapons and all the rest of it is something Resident Evil that's always like kind of like on the fringes of what we're meant to know about. Yeah. And if this is the true full final payoff of that, I am. Uh, I, well, I'm yeah. not mad, Capcom, but I am disappointed. <laughs> I'm with you, actually, because I think there's a line, it's probably Jason, that says that the US government's the real enemy. And I was, and yeah, I had a reaction to that. Of, actually, yes, that is completely accurate. They're, they're actually a very big adversary of the Resident Evil series. Just, it's very quiet, and they've got they've got some stuff that needs to be addressed. I don't think we'll ever get there, but it's nice to have a little bit of a spotlight on it. I'd like to see that in a season two. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, I put my chips down now. I think this is one and done and that's it. I don't think there's been enough of a reaction to warrant it. Um, personally, like before this even came out, I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to have even a darkness and then different seasons, different stories, different characters. You know, It doesn't always have to be Leon and Claire. With it being over... <laughs> I actually Wasn't wouldn't. Something today about like Billy Cohen could have potentially been in this. Yeah, and they said it's set before Lost in Nightmares, so Jill could have had something in this. Yeah, they were yeah. talking in an interview that they were going to use Billy, and then they swapped him out for Jason because it didn't sort of logistically make sense, which is it's fair. I suppose it's nice to know that they're still thinking about characters like that at Capcom, or or somebody was. Um, but yeah, you know, like the way that this show ends. Sort of like I'd be interested to see that followed up on because we haven't seen Claire and this is the last time we've seen them together canonically speaking. It doesn't happen again in the canon. And they've ended on a fight. Exactly. In a positive way. That is actually really interesting. Right. That kind of character stuff. I'm very intrigued. I just don't. I don't. Maybe that'll get followed up on in something else, a, a comic book or something. Maybe a game if we're lucky. I, I don't see it, but I don't see a second season. I think the main problem being that. This is just very forgettable. This whole thing. You're right, Steve. Like I, I rewatched it today before we recorded this, and I didn't hate the rewatch, but I had to bring myself to click play to get to start it off to get myself going with it because it's just, just meh. Couldn't be bothered. You know, no one is talking about this. We recorded two weeks out from release just because it worked for us time wise. I don't think anybody in the fandom is talking about Infinite Darkness much anymore. Nobody was really talking about it three days after it came out, let alone no, which is, you know, it's a shame, but I think that's the reality of it. Uh, Kelsey, final thoughts on Infinite Darkness? Um, my overall thoughts are, as we've said, it does start on a high. It just goes downhill, which is a shame. I think breaking it up into a series at this level of animation with only four episodes had just a huge negative effect on the finished product, yeah. both vi- visually and with the story. I would have preferred... 
six episodes. I, I would have preferred like an entire episode focused on Claire and then an entire episode on Leon and then we could do these threads and then come up to a big finale. But there's none of that. And series-wise, like we say, well, there was no chatter because it was just released all in one go, which kind of let it down. Um, I didn't hate it. Like I said, that I've been really critical and I was scathing on the animation, as I know, but I didn't hate it. There was times when I sort of smiled and fun with it and I tried to switch my brain off um, and it was sort of very superficial and mm-hmm. thin and hollow I, I I ignored any connections to anything else in Resident Evil and just tried to watch it as a standalone thing in a vacuum it had a few points of positivity for me um, but that being said uh, do I want to see more I, I would like to see more but, but yeah do I think we're going to no absolutely not I think this is probably it um, next time, if they're gonna do more of this stuff, I would rather it was two D animation or just live action. That'd be interesting. Um, I, mm. I don't know. I don't know where you can go with this stuff unless you spend two hundred million dollars on it, and they're not gonna do that. Mm. So you know, it's funny you mentioned live action. The fact that both of them are the key leads have actually cosplayed as the characters and can pull off the look. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I would rather they did that for something in the future um, because I don't think they are ready to commit to, you know, avatar levels of hyper-realistic animation, which they'd have to do because the technical stuff lets it down for me. The the silly silly plot holes and and silly dialogue, I can let that stuff pass if something's fun and just holds me, holds my attention doesn't have errors in it if you like but i think this had literal literally bad stuff in it in terms of errors technically so that let it down um but yeah i've rambled too much some things to love but a whole i think it's like a one out of five (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you know yeah it has its fun moments um and sort of the early stuff i was like oh oh this is actually i'm intrigued no i was i was you know I think it's fair to say it was pretty obvious I was looking forward to this because every time we talked about it in the news and or we did a reaction stream to a showcase, I was like, "Show me that show." But the problem is, it's just the way that it falls apart in the second half. It just it leaves such a bad taste in your mouth that you kind of, yeah, you do come away feeling very meh about it. Like it's it, it it's very easy to criticise it just because of how badly it all goes in that second half, and that very much overshadows. Some of the good stuff, unfortunately. And it's really unfortunate. This is just the, the way it goes when we do podcasts about something that's brand new. We have no idea what the quality is going to be like of these things. So to follow up Umbrella Core with this is <laughs> a bit of a shame. But out of the two of them, I know which one I prefer. Well... Nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. Join the Discord server to get in touch with members of the team and our community, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's recorded. You can find a link to the server, as well as our Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and more at fasprayPod.com. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review where you can. It helps spread the word. You can also support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for as little as $1 a month. In our next episode, we dust off our Wiimotes or our PlayStation Move controllers to take a look at the other game in the series with Umbrella in its title. We revisit the events of classic games and some intriguing side stories in the light gun shooter Resident Evil The Umbrella Chronicles. 
Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB. Steve was taken. And Kelsey is at K underscore D underscore B underscore. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. this yeah. is what i mean like that those strong first episodes as i say for me i it just got let down mm-hmm. technically it, it was bad and i had to let that out uh, i just couldn't let them get away with it because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're getting away with it <laughs> uh, yeah. you were that gift like i try not to be one of these because you can't just say oh it's you need to give a reason for why you think something's bad and i try to give reasons and some people like say may not care about that stuff they just sort of absorb it for what it is that's completely cool unfortunately i struggle to do that with a lot of things and i think ark in the chat said it best when he said kdb is a poet and true wordsmith saying infinite darkness is in 100 words rather than three <laughs> <laughs>